into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating our citizens as less than human. God damn America. We're here live. Pod Day of America for another week of political news and and news discussion. I'm your host, Alex Patak. I'm here with my right-hand man, Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. And uh, number one political contributor, Naomi Caravani. Naomi, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. And today we're scrolling down R, not the onion. <laughs> Seeing what they got on there. There's some... There's some crazy stuff going on there. What do we got? Yeah, what was the last one? The last one, the condom thing? No, after the, I think the condom thing is on there all the time. And I don't think it's worth our time as viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, suspected lawnmower thief cuts victims grass. (laughs) Is that a euphemism? No, the the thief was just like, uh, if I'm going to take the lawnmower, I might as well just the the lawn needs some some keeping up. So I'm going to take care of it before this guy doesn't have a lawnmower. Oh, God, I am. As you said that, I just washed over me all the fact that I'll never have to mow. mow, uh, Well, I may have to mow the lawn one point in my life, but not the lawn I used to have to mow in St. Paul. A new exciting lawn. This was an uphill lawn. Most of like half of it, I had to mow up and downhill. It was right. That's how you got that toned body, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Anders keeps flexing on the Zoom. Now it's just me and his girlfriend. You got to keep them. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. He, he never flexes for me, just for you, actually. Just for, well, I'm well, impressed. This, Maybe you don't been, give him the compliments he deserves. You hear that? <laughs> there might be something to that theory. It, the, the way this man used to mow a lawn, you had to see it <laughs> up and down. I don't believe he's ever mowed a lawn. You don't? Anders? Mm-hmm. You can, well, Anders' just... voice sounds like he spent his entire life mowing lawns. <laughs> I can't imagine him making a lawn even. I'm sure like when he's done, if there's like a there's like you gotta a crisscross the, the lines. <laughs> yeah. You have to go over half you you go over in a in an arc and then you go back over covering half of what you just did, and then that way you don't leave any weird patches in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I used to like wait way too long to mow my lawn to the point where it would be full of life because that's what happens if you leave like nature unchecked and be full of bugs and like seeds and uh, 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 new earth sprouting from the ground and because i just it'd be like six weeks since i was supposed to do it and then you go back over with lawnmower and just lay waste to an entire ecology and it's like getting Mm. shot onto your shoes it's really dark you ever think about what happens when you mow a lawn there's no point yeah. to lawns, really. It's yeah. I guess I it's just it's, aesthetic. I mean, I guess for is, golf, it is just aesthetic. It's it's really bad for water. 
conservation and people should use ground cover like thyme and rosemary and mm-hmm. other kinds of yummy things. that makes me the diversity of the plants ruins the environment like uh, all of the bees dying out you think that's on accident no it's because we took large swaths of land and uh sprayed chemicals over the whole thing and it's all just one kind of grass and now the bees are dead is that what you wanted yeah. kill all the bees <laughs> Yeah, that's why. Yeah, you know what? Instead of lawns, we should all just be beekeeping in our front yards. So I think this like reading the Reddit scroll segments going really well. What else we got on there? What else we got on there? Uh, DC authorities are searching for a wild turkey that's been chasing people. That's also a story that I feel like is seasonal. And it's weird that it's this time of year. Like the turkeys are out again. Yeah, I don't think a turkey would make news in September, October. Only only a spring turkey is something to talk about. Yeah, and I feel like the D.C. police should be busy with active shooters, but no. They're I mean, chasing turkeys. <laughs> yeah, this is probably a better use, a safer use of their time for the people of D.C., you know, there's a revolving door. You're just going to go find the turkeys. The president's going to pardon them back out of there. Right. And we'll be back on the street the next day. It's a revolving door. It's like uh, he's the Michael Dukakis of Turkey situation. There's like a turkey. Willie Horton shows up in the 2024 hit job ads. That could happen. Turkey mm. City, they call it. Oh, turkey this City, isn't, they call it. This isn't not a Reddit thread, but uh, Chris Rock did finally comment on his uh on the violence getting assault he faced at the academy awards and uh he said to dave Chappelle, apparently like i was hit by the softest n-word that ever rapped <laughs> mm. that's his right wow. to say that i think in yeah. that situation i feel like he's just trying to provoke him again <laughs> he does I mean, work out a lot but i do think Chris Rock has been slapped before. We've already analyzed this extensively oh, one yeah. month ago. Think- <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's the gift that keeps on giving. I think that story will never die. Well, Sometimes you okay. got to take the hit. Sometimes you got to take it as a comedian. Uh, this was before I was a comedian, but I was um, punched for a joke once on the subway by uh, a man in a wheelchair. Oh, and was it a pun? Uh, No, it was his wife was like snoring on my shoulder extremely loudly. (laughs) And so I got someone to take a picture as a joke. And he found that very upsetting. He was like, yo, that's my wife. And I turn around, Scott, a wheelchair. And he Madison Cawthorn's up to me and just decks me in the eye. Oh, Um, damn. In the eye. From a wheelchair. Yeah. He like popped up on his butt and. Um, but I had to accept it like Chris Rock, you know, you have told me this story similar. before. Yeah, and I believe my can. comment was that you deserved it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not going to fight back over that. It's kind of yeah, it's it makes it even, I guess. I'm glad you didn't fight that man in a wheelchair. It was out of context. And it was good for their marriage, I think. It was um, rich and rewarding. But you know that ever since that happened, it's actually uncorked a um a sacred seal in the comedy world does now people think it's okay to jump up on stage and assault comedy legend, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. You you hear this? this? People with their brains broken already. 
Well, you guys talked about this already too, right? The the guy who hit like try he tried to tackle Chappelle, and apparently he was a Trump supporter, and he was mad about what Chappelle said about Trump. Oh, okay. I've actually not looked into this at all because it seems like it's barely news. But do t- do tell me well, more. And it was because <laughs> Trump is transgender. He made fun of him for being trans. Is that what happened? No, you're, it's all confused because after Chappelle, the guy like ran backstage and then he got beat up. Apparently he got beat up by some celebrities. So wow. um, he, I feel like he's just going to make like millions of dollars off a lawsuit, even if he gets charged with assault. Neil so, Brennan is doing Muay Thai to a fan backstage. <laughs> Wait, what? Like Jamie Foxx was also like a oh, bunch Jamie of Fox. like just friends of Chappelle just beat up this kid. With and, a demon. Just like. Yeah. And the joke around Twitter was like, this man got turned into a pretzel. Like you saw him on the stretcher with his arm uh, like out of its socket. Yeah. He looks very badly hurt. He, yeah. Well, that'll be interesting to see because how do you say that's. Is he the canceled or the canceller in that situation? Because, you know, the conservatives are going to try to say, like, look, he, this guy got wrongfully assaulted, but he was assaulting somebody else. Well, for taking, he was telling a joke. He was doing verbal cancel culture and then was given physical cancel culture. And he, no, was, he was I doing mean, physical. He, he, he tried physically to attack Chappelle. No, he he tried to, and he was armed. He had, and he was armed. Yeah, I didn't. He had a gun that like had a switchblade. It was like a switchblade <laughs> that's shaped like a gun. <laughs> you know, like, like a um. He had a Final like Fantasy a- gun blade. Yeah, and he attacked yeah, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why is that not the front headline of the story? Yes, because <laughs> it didn't fit in with the trans narrative. I guess. Yeah. Couldn't pin it on. And- Upset. Yeah, and of you know. course, after he was attacked, Chappelle was like, oh, that must have been a trans dude. And, right. Well, and... he's one of the great minds of our time, and so <laughs> he always knows what to say in a situation like that. <laughs> no, no shade on Chappelle. Would love to work with you. Uh, we would love to. <laughs> Take David. me on tour. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny how his career is moving backwards from like pioneering edgy comedy like farther and farther to like catchphrase tim allen style comedy of just like did a trans man do that (laughs) (laughs) instead of urkel it's It's kind of a one note urkel really (laughs) it's an urkel who shows up and blames other people which is not a flattering quality to have yeah urkel's uh self-effacement is what makes him so great um, Did a non-binary yeah, show up here? <laughs> <laughs> and then it'd be an actual laugh track after making it even better. Right. So that's what's going on in comedy news this week. Uh, we got some exciting stuff on the labor beat too here. A- Anders, labor. walk us through this. Uh, this Chris Smalls walking down to to Capitol Hill event we had this week. Well, yeah, so uh, Senator Bernard Sanders is chairman of the Budget Committee in the Senate, which has been kind of interesting, surreal in a way, right? Because he's not, of course, uh, where we would want him to be in the White House. 
um, but he has this one sort of uh, node of power that he gets to um, use to demonstrate things. And uh, it drives Republicans crazy that has to sit on his committee. And Lindsey Graham threw several tantrums throughout this hearing in which uh, he very uh, shrewdly, I think, um, had a hearing on because it's a budget. So it has to be budgetarily related. So they had a hearing on whether or not Amazon, which practices illegal behavior, should get federal money, taxpayer money. And the uh, rejoinder to that is like, why are you singling out this company or or just saying uh, Amazon's the worst company in the world and blah, blah, blah. And uh, is Lindsey Graham an Amazon head? Like, does he have the the T-shirt? Um, I mean, I'm sure he takes a shitload of money from them, but so I, but then again, I, Jamie Harrison, I'm sure he got a lot of money from them too. I don't know who got more, but um, you would think that, you know, some, some What's Republicans drink at Starbucks. It's probably like the pink drink. What my eight year old niece gets. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's um, good... not guava tea. It's um strawberry oh. spritzer or something it's like passion fruit like acai it's just like it's it's just like red food coloring and sugar yeah <laughs> yeah which is really good i do remember lindsey graham and jo- went to starbucks had a starbucks date with john mccain the day after the 2008 election uh so i think he's been starbucks head at least even though he's a republican um but amazon he was you know needed felt the need to protect amazon in this hearing and, you know, would, and he said, you're using this, the Senate, that was what he found disturbing, um, is that Sanders is using the Senate as a vehicle for a political agenda. God forbid that someone would do that. You can't bring politics into the Senate. Not into the United (laughs) States Senate. (laughs) Politics is for (laughs) Twitter.com. And he and he complains. You can go on a tour of the building, but that's not it. <laughs> this is a building where public officials go to do powerpoints and educate their peers. Yeah, right. And that's what he said. He said, "What we're going to do is have you know Amazon people to come in and show how they can help the economy, and we'll have you know my uncle who was a union guy in a paper mill in South Carolina. Like, very nice." And they were like, this is not entertainment for the day. <laughs> they started booing Bernie Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he kept saying like, oh, you're singling out Amazon. Um, when, as has been demonstrated, they are breaking the law. It's not that they don't like Amazon. And Lindsey Graham even said, oh, you're trying to convince people not to shop at Amazon. That's not the point either. Um, The point is that they are breaking the law and getting federal money. That's the point of the hearing that they just went out of their way to just miss. Tim Kaine also, uh, vice presidential nominee Tim Kaine, opened his remarks. And this is after Christian Small has given his statement and responded to Graham, I think, quite forcefully and saying that you need to pay attention to the workers. We're constituents. We make these companies go. Um, and Tim Kaine opens by saying, you know, I guess I'm in the line, wrong line of work because, uh, I was born with a paintbrush or a a box of paintbrushes that didn't have any broad brushes. So I'm, uh, a fan of both unions and Amazon. 
And he brags this about fucking how, guy. I know. <laughs> he brags about how New York, because New York kicked out Amazon or didn't kick, we didn't kick them out. We decided we didn't want Amazon screwing everything up in New York City. In Queens, right? Yeah. Um, those jobs went to Virginia, where they already have uh, Amazon facilities. They already have, I think the HQ is there. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll take those jobs. Sure. I'd love that. I can tell you personally, my family, before we moved to St. Paul, we lived in Arlington, Virginia, in like a townhouse uh, community. Um, Wonderful. It, right. It was nice place, affordable. Uh, it was these townhouses that were built after World War II. And mind you, my parents are middle class uh, people. Steep lawns. Right. Thankfully, there that was before I had to mow lawns. Um, I would recommend that's that's a benefit of living in this area in Virginia. But um, they could not afford to move back to the same place because of Amazon, because they moved in. The HQ started in Arlington, got all these jobs from trans people moving there with, you know, specialized degrees and stuff. And it drove up housing. To such a degree that we, my family would not be able to afford to live there today. Um, yeah. That's what they do. And that's what you're bragging about as a Democratic senator, a, a, a standard bearer uh, almost as uh, in the Democratic Party as a vice presidential nominee. Um, so this so, was a. Says, I'm sorry, you go. Well, he's like, I don't agree that. Uh, Amazon is a criminal enterprise. That, that's your opinion. And it's like, okay, that's one way to frame it, but you can't really deny that there are all these crimes, literal crimes that have been put on the record about them busting unions, violating the National Labor Relations Act uh, that they're being demonstrated in this hearing. It's just kind of comical. And that's it's frustrating, though, because we get to have this hearing. Bernie gets to run it, which is very amusing, but he's it's unfortunately, probably not going to affect much change. They talked a lot about the PRO Act. Tim Kaine loved to say, I'm, oh, I'm for the PRO Act. We, but at this point, it's probably not going to go through. Um, but at least, you know, you get a public, get some public uh, presence for uh, workers at places like Amazon. So this was the Senate Budget Committee hearing, and they invited union representation from Amazon, which is why Chris Malls was there. And he also met with Biden. And this yeah. is where you get the wonderful photo ops of Chris Malls in his Eat the Rich jacket hanging out with President Joseph Biden, who does not remember what job he has or where he is right now. <laughs> and both right. of them looking swagged out, really. And you got one of my favorite quotes uh, from Biden, who said to Christian Smalls, you got me in trouble, man. I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> what that's does referring that mean? to. Yeah, I don't think he knew either. I don't think he's supposed to say that out loud. That seems <laughs> no. like a like keep that a secret to the public that yeah. you're bought and sold by this corporation. But right, I think it's because he said in a speech to a group of unions, he was like, "Amazon, we're coming for you," mm -hmm. uh, which I like to hear. They didn't. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's it is tricky because. Um, it does not look like he's going to do what Bernie has asked and um, stop giving federal contracts to firms that union bust, such as Amazon. Um, but at least the NLRB has been pretty good under Biden. Low bar, but it's been pretty good. Uh, they have been cracking down on captive audience meetings, which is something the PRO Act would do. But this they're doing it unilaterally through the NLRB. So 
that's encouraging. Um, but really, like it's you know, um, I think most of the hope is in the ALU, Amazon Labor Union, and uh, Starbucks Workers United. That those right. So yeah. this is what I wanted to say: Was the Starbucks Union invited to this committee too? Oh I yeah, they so were, yeah. Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks was very butthurt about not getting an invitation to this meeting with the president, and they sent a letter saying that they want their own meet and greet. <laughs> just a starbucks executive meeting greet with the president no one else there yeah <laughs> just like don't you like our coffees mr president we have great options for you at yeah. towns all around this country yeah they were upset you like egg sandwiches invited. that are made of like hard plastics yeah <laughs> because we serve like those for like 12 dollars never been grilled if anybody <laughs> orders any of the food at Starbucks, I you need to have more dignity and respect for yourself than that. Go I anywhere mean, sometimes else. Sometimes you're sometimes it's like that's the top of the line at the airport where that's the best thing you can get. That so can't be true. That is not true. <laughs> it's Democrat food. It's so remember how Trump <laughs> During his shutdown, Democrat, yeah, nothing represents the Democrats more than egg patty. The Starbucks food, five percent egg. Well, that's (laughs) what Biden is going to have to serve when there's a government shutdown during his term, right? Because Trump had that thing. He got McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, gave him to all those uh, athletes. Which, by the way, I have a friend who that was the thing that pushed him over the edge to vote was that for Trump. No, against Trump. He was like, oh, oh God damn it. This has gone too far. Um, but what? <laughs> I, don't, I know it's kind of. Does he just not like Wendy's? I guess. Or it's just undignified. I don't know. But the, I'm sure there will be another Democrat, another um, government shutdown soon. And Biden's going to have to get Starbucks, Panera. Uh, what's some other Democrat? Barnes and Noble. All Barnes and Noble food. All Bon Pont. Made by yeah, it's just Starbucks. I will say Aubonpon and Panera, both huge steps above Starbucks in terms of food. They serve food True. intentionally. It's you not just an extra feature sandwich. you're getting there. Anyway, so Starbucks, they want their own meeting and they wrote a letter. Yeah, they wrote a letter from uh, to the counselor to the president, Steve Ricchetti. Ricchetti? Ricchetti. Ricchetti. Italian accident. <laughs> Okay, uh, dear Mr. Ricchetti, I'm reaching out on behalf of Starbucks Coffee Company in response to the White House's recent meeting with union organizations, which included Workers United, to discuss their efforts to unionize our company. We are deeply concerned that Workers United, which is actively engaged in collective bargaining with us and trying to organize all our stores and our 240,000 partners, was invited to the meeting while not inviting official Starbucks representatives to discuss mm. our view on the matter. We believe this. Oh, this is great. We believe this lack of representation huh. discounts the reality that the majority of our partners oppose being members of a union and that unionization tactics being deployed by Workers United. As you know, American workers have the absolute right to decide for themselves to unionize or not to unionize without any undue influences and then blah blah blah. they go since our founding nobody we're not going to read that part that part sucks yeah (laughs) 
But yeah, yeah, in general, I don't think you should have any party without Starbucks executives present. I mean, that's that's just hilarious that they were watching. Like they they looked at the pictures and they got FOMO, and they were like, "Why, why couldn't we have gotten yeah. to the White House?" Look, they're comparing jackets with the president. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure that would have gone so well for them if they have like Starbucks workers in the room. They're talking with the president about their working conditions. I mean, maybe they're just hoping that the workers would be just daunted by the whole thing. But like that could be can heckle them from the side. They can be like, he's lying. Well, yeah, they want to do an. They want to be drugs. (laughs) They want to be able to do the um actuallys and say, oh, that's. Uh, we actually have a lot of instances of that not happening at this store. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a sign of desperation, honestly, because yeah. let's, you know, be, um, real here. It's, st- it's still, there's still a long way to go. There's thousands of stores and we've have, I think it's still in double digits, the number that have unionized, but it's up from zero. It's up from zero and so, it's spreading. Come on. And it's, it is not too late for, something to happen where, but I don't know. It looks pretty good. Knock on wood uh, for the union and, and Schultz, you can tell just doesn't know how to handle this. He uh, recently announced that Starbucks is going to be raising wages, but only Mm. for non-unionized employees. That sounds illegal. Can you do that? Yeah. No. But he's he is grasping he has whispering in his ear. Oh, sir, that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> he is, the oh, man is 1864. Grasping. No rules. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. He's yeah. grasping at straws. He doesn't know how to handle this. So, you know, there's going to be more stuff like this. And hopefully it gets more and more entertaining and desperate. Uh, he already made himself CEO again to personally address this crisis. Um. <laughs> And I think for now he's losing. Well, let that be a lesson to everyone listening at home. If you're having a meeting of any kind, be sure to invite Starbucks corporate uh, uh, class to your gathering. It's only fair to them. <laughs> they should get be able to say their side of events. Uh, in the meantime, we have a hell of a guest for you this week. We're talking about the Supreme Court. Isn't that right, Anders? Right. Uh, it's, of course, now is a supreme topic of conversation. Supreme but should it be? pain in my ass. It is a supreme pain in democracy's ass. And we're going to talk about more and more. They're saying it. this is a yes, serious interview, informative. It will give you some uh, hopefully guidance if you are like me thinking about how to combat the undue influence, the unchecked power of this unelected body in uh, that uh, oversees and supersedes too often our democracy, what little democracy we have. So with that, let's go to the tape. Here comes a new challenger. All right. We are now joined by a legal historian from Yale University. Sorry, Harvard people. Uh, we have a lot of fans from the, for the Crimson, but we are so joined many. by a, a Yale professor of legal history, Samuel Moyne. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're speaking just a few days out from a leak of a decision. A preview of a decision uh, could just be a rough draft. We don't really know too much about it, but I just wanted to get your reaction to what uh, may have been the doing of, of Jenny Thomas. Uh, looks like now we're not totally sure. Um, but how do you? What, what's your response to the 
uh, strong potential that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Well, it's not surprising. I mean, it was pretty obvious that that would happen. And Roe v. Wade actually was replaced in 1992 by a much weaker decision. Uh, So we're, we're talking about a generation that has passed, you know, since the, the, the original steps to eviscerate Roe v. Wade. And this is like the final indignity, but no one ought to be surprised either in the long or short term, especially after the oral argument in the decision that this is the outcome. I mean, it might be that since this is a draft decision, Roe v. Wade will be saved in some formalistic way if Brett Kavanaugh changes his mind at, at, you know, in the 11th hour. Even then, the Chief Justice, who John Roberts, is being widely hailed for, you know, wanting to preserve Roe v. Wade, it is, is shopping with his colleagues an opinion that would approve the Mississippi policy of banning abortions. So we're, we're so far gone, given that this is a long-term erosion of abortion rights and a very predictable short-term decision. You know, I think the Democrats are like the proverbial frog, you know, in the water as it slowly heats and they never jumped out. They Mm. never gave up their romance of judicial supremacy protecting rights through five of nine old judges uh, rather than taking this 50 years that we've had since Roe v. Wade and convincing enough fellow citizens to protect rights the only way you can in in an enduring way, which is to get the legislature to define and protect them. You know, you hear the frog a lot in the uh, climate change metaphor, but I think it just is sort of the uh, prevailing phenomenon that cooks your political project. Yeah, it, It's just the thing that keeps coming up, a slow burn. I think that's right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a prevailing centrist mistake to kind of hope things will get better as they get worse and kind of not noticing until it's very late in the day and the crisis is upon you that you need to change directions radically. Right. And it's funny how, you know, abortion rights and uh, gay rights really have sort of um, (laughs) in spite of the, like the tepidity, I guess, of, of liberals to like champion those those causes, they have gotten more popular. Abortion now Correct. Uh, is popular, not necessarily abortion popular, but the right to have one is yeah. popular. And uh, the Democratic Party has just refused to act on that. Um, do you think some of that has to do with the uh, one of probably one of the most uh, notorious decisions in, in living memory, a positive decision, I guess, from my view, um, the Ogrefell, uh for gay marriage. Do you think that sort of gave uh, the liberal left in America like a, a little too much confidence in the Supreme Court? And, and should they have pursued that as well as abortion rights in a popular uh, legislative strategy? Absolutely. You know, it's um, it, it, it's I think it's it's not Obergefell. Obergefell is, is like a blast from the past. Um, of the Warren court, which was really this exceptional period when liberals 
having had to stand down the Supreme Court and the New Deal, um, kind of embraced it uh, as as their their tool, and it it tempted them in these you know big tempestuous political debates to avoid them and skip to the end. And the the gay marriage you know decision is a great example because. It, it's not clear that we couldn't have gotten a national law uh, in in the same spirit in pretty short order. Um, and it's not obvious that Sam Alito and others in, in the opinion that was leaked are not out for Obergefell too. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they really give no principled reason for distinguishing a lot of what we call substantive due process decisions involving contraception, famously abortion, uh, gay marriage, other things um, from this, this particular um, decision. I would make a broader point, which is that, you know, you, you're right that abortion is popular, but it, it it's sort of misleading to say so because What's popular is some form of an abortion right, uh, and certainly one that's early and, you know, in cases of rape and incest. But it's equally popular to allow ban on very late terms, very late term abortions. And so what we're talking about is something that goes deep in, in the way we should understand rights like abortion rights. They're not a light switch on or off. They have to be crafted and shaped. And, you know, the best people to do that, since it's ultimately a policy decision, is the legislature, because there's a compromise that has to be struck. And actually, if if they would codify Roe, the U.S. Congress is, is, is best positioned to figure out what is popular, because not, not everything is popular. Parts of of some kind of abortion right could be passed mm. um, and other other things wouldn't. And then we'd have to, if we didn't like the compromise, we'd have to push our legislators to make it, you know, more, more of a feminist compromise than Roe, which was decided by nine men was and so forth. Right. And now we ha- we're in a situation where, you know, we have a very tiny, tiny uh, Democratic majority in the Senate. Um, are you expecting any progress on the legislative front? Front in, in no, because uh, Joe Manchin doesn't support the um, Women's Health Protection Act, and right. uh, he definitely doesn't support blowing up the filibuster, which would be required, hmm. even if he did support the act. So you're, you're talking about, but you're, you're talking about a 50-year period when the Democrats could have angled to get this done. Um, and no, no one's saying it's going to be a magical or, or quick uh, fix. But the question is, do you want the right enduringly uh, rather than, you know, a- allowing the Supreme Court to decide whether you have it or what, what, it, what it protects? And I, th- I think this is true, not just with respect to abortion rights, but everything. Do you want desegregated schools? Well, we don't have them uh, in spite of Brown v. Board in 1954. 
And the only way is to convince your fellow citizens through a political movement and get a popular majority to back what you want. And no one saying politics is quick. It's true that sometimes convincing a majority, not of your fellow citizens, but of friendly justices is quick, but it's also superficial as, as we've seen in race and, and in, in this, in this situation too. Right. Um, you have this great piece that came out a few years ago in Descent magazine about the role of the Supreme court as a, uh, anti-democratic tool in the American government and how political parties throughout American history have kind of tweaked that to get their agendas across this entire time. What, what do you think is the problem with the Supreme Court as it stands? Well, I think that you could imagine, you know, politics as a game and, you know, constituencies and parties we have to sadly, you know, and they fight. And it could be tempting to say, well, what if we had another game in which we could win more easily and more quickly? And in effect, empowering the Supreme Court was the creation of that alternative forum for resolving political differences and achieving you know, quick fix victories. And first, the right did it in the later 19th century when they constitutionalized, you know, basically unrestricted free markets uh, and the New Deal stood down the Supreme Court and got, you know, control over the institution. And instead of shutting down that second game that the right had set up, the liberals decided to play it themselves. And you know, they did enjoy some quick victories and they were maybe even necessary in this very specific situation in which the liberals included a lot of Southern racists. That was the nature of the Democratic Party in the middle of the 20th century. But the long-term result is that you created this, you know, game where it turns out it's, it's less important to win elections than to get your friends in high places on the court. Now, of course, you have to win enough elections to get your your friends on the Supreme Court, but the right proved very adept at doing so. And even as it its support popularly eroded, it gained a lock on this other institution and played the game not of democracy, but of juristocracy. And it's sad because liberals created the game just as much as conservatives back in the later 19th century. And, 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 and my whole point is, let's just shut that other game down and just have one convincing your fellow citizens and winning or losing. Uh, because th- this, there's very little rationale for having this, you know, super powered Supreme Court that is kind of like monitoring the, the the ordinary democratic game. Well, yeah, I mean, something we've been hearing a lot about on the left over the past couple of years is, you know, the fact that uh, if you look at the Constitution, it doesn't actually say there has to be nine justices. So we should Correct. just cram some more in there and, and you know, uh, get all our, our good policies approved and passed that way. 
Um, but you've been critical of that as well. Um, what does the, what, what are some other options that the, the constitution provides us and, um, what, and can we contrast that with what the constitution's actual intent was? Cause I don't want to romanticize sure. the founding fathers. They were not oh, Democrats, small D Democrats at all. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But to their credit, they foresaw much less flagrant role for the Supreme Court in national politics than we've chosen in the 20th century. They said there has to be a Supreme Court. Uh, they didn't say anything about its its powers, especially its powers to invalidate federal law. Um, and above all, they made very clear that the Congress is in charge of what the court can do like setting the terms of its jurisdiction. Now, my objection to court packing is that it changes the number, not the power of the court's members. Um, and it, again, if, if the fundamental problem is we've transformed politics into a sweepstakes to get control of this institution, which the right has now done, changing the number of justices is no guarantee that they won't keep winning. Mm -hmm. In fact, if the left is the one to expand the number of justices, there's no reason why the right wouldn't respond in kind. And the fundamental problem would remain that we've transferred all the debate about policy to this other body. So the, the real agenda ought to be to transfer it back. And there are some ways of doing that. And I'm kind of neutral because um, I think we need to just think hard about which to pursue. Um, one is called jurisdiction stripping. And it basically would involve, just as an example, passing the federal abortion rights statute and then saying the Supreme Court has no authority to tamper with it. And that basically sets limits to the power of the institution rather than changing its constituency. Another example is a supermajority rule saying when you pass the federal abortion rights statute that you have to have eight justices to overturn it. You know, eight justices have to conclude that it's illegal or unconstitutional to invalidate it. A th yet a third option, these all basically work the same way. They're about transferring power back to Congress, would be to say there can be a legislative override of Supreme Court decisions. Uh, that if there's a supermajority of the legislature that wants something, the Supreme Court can overturn it once but then get overturned itself in the same way that we, you know, we have a system for when the president vetoes a law to override the veto. Mm -hmm. And it's very odd that we would, you know, al allow presidents to get overridden who are the, you know, the, the only popularly elected, you know, the closest Americans come to like electing one person at the national level. Um, of course, it's compromised by the founders' electoral college and right. so forth. And then letting the Supreme Court's decision stand, you know, 
unopposed with no recourse when these gentlemen and ladies uh, say that federal law is invalid. So these are all examples of what we call disempowering the Supreme Court instead of changing its personnel. You don't buy the accelerationist theory to court packing, which is we just keep adding numbers on there every few years until we're up to like 100 guys in robes taking a school picture together that's <laughs> available on the website and no one just wants to let them have any power anymore. Well, you know, accelerationism, I think, is is pretty dubious. But if you if if that were your view, um it's available with the other remedies because you know they you know that you could you could try it with in a restricted way with an abortion rights statute but maybe then the republicans would gain power and not only pass a, a federal fetal personhood bill which would prohibit abortion nationally through legislative action but restrict the judiciary from considering it now, they'd have less incentive to do so because the Supreme Court would probably let them do it, it as currently constituted. But you, you could imagine a lot of tit for tat with certain of these mechanisms. I think <laughs> there should be a, a non-accelerationist approach, which is to say, can't the Democrats and Republicans in an evenly divided country agree to just like not fight their battles through the Supreme Court? I mean, it's just so odd that we would agree to do that in the first place. Uh, it makes more sense if you're sitting in the 40s and you've got like basically a one-party state, as Franklin Roosevelt did, and you thought you thought you could lock in your your control of the country for generations by taking over the court. But we're in a very different situation in which there's no party that is in the ascendancy. And it seems like they could actually agree to just fight in the legislature rather than transfer you know, their battles to some other institution and, and distort the, the kind of the whole argument in the process. Because then we would have elections that are about policy, not about who's going to take over the court. Right. Or Susan Sarandon will not be. Sure mentioned right. as much um, it's a I, legal loophole we let her choose them this way i don't <laughs> think we should do it right but you made a point that i really want to underline that i think is super important just politically that uh, ignore the court we could ignore the court uh listeners type that out print it out post it on the wall uh hashtag ignore the court um i you know i think sort of like a, a DSA recently added to their platform abolishing the senate i think this is sort of a similar um move against an anti-democratic institution. But what sort of uh, challenges to that could we expect if it if it were to be taken up? Um, oh, because yeah. I no, assume well, they're not going to do that lying down. Well, uh, no, of course. But that's true of all the all all the confrontations with the court share that feature. So then we should choose on some other basis uh, amongst the different approaches. Some people say, oh, well, Court packing is the most clearly constitutional approach because the court's membership has changed, you know, other times. And I think the response is, well, you can always make up a constitutional argument for why you can't do something. And 
if your theory is the Supreme Court will resist change, they'll resist whatever you try to do when you mess with it. I mean, they're resisting calls for, you know, a more robust ethics regime for the justices, which all the other judges in the federal system have. Um, and so even the most minor stuff, you know, they resist. And so if that's true, I think they'll say something like, well, there's a constitutional norm against court expansion now. There are some other arguments that they could make to resist court expansion. And if that's true, then I think the fact that like maybe the other remedies are more dubious, you know, like should it shouldn't lead us not to try them because we're going to have confrontation regardless. You know, there's one remedy which a lot of people like on, which is term limitation, which we haven't talked about. Um, I'm independently in favor of it because it's just crazy that we're waiting on death watch with some of these people. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it wouldn't solve the basic problem because, you know, if, I don't know, Clarence Thomas retires right now, obviously the Democrats would get to replace him. But if the, if his term were limited, then he would, you know, he would either strategically retire under a Republican or there'd just be some like there'd be like a, 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 an attempt to game things so that you could get the power. Anytime you have a really powerful weapon, people will struggle to get control of it. The, and, and there's this further trouble with term limits, which is that it's pretty clear those are unconstitutional. Like the Supreme Court would be on very strong mm. ground saying no, no deal. But the other remedies from court packing to the ones I mentioned, like um, jurisdiction stripping and so forth, it's they're arguably constitutional. And it, I think it would be harder for the court to resist any of them. So we should choose like f because they make sense, not because the court like would have an easier time dodging the reform. And speaking of Clarence Thomas and I guess ethics, um, there's been a little discussion. I'm curious to get your response on in impeaching him and possibly Kavanaugh for their just personal uh, indiscretion, to put it lightly. Well, what do you think of that? Again, I, I don't think this is a problem of justices. It's a problem of the judiciary. And of course, you know, we should have a stronger ethics regime. And I think Thomas should recuse himself more often based on perceived, you know, conflicts of interest. But, you know, he's doing his job and Kavanaugh was confirmed in spite of the suspicion of many of us that he was a sexual predator in high school or whatever. And I don't think you can redo, you don't get a redo under the current system. Uh, and the Democrats lost uh, in confirming Thomas, in confirming Kavanaugh. And above all, they're not the problem. The system is. Hmm. And I think personalizing it, as so many of these journalists and activists are want to do, it, it, it's just a distraction from what the real debate we should be having. Why are we fighting over this thing to begin with? And who's there? I mean, I don't care, except that they enjoy immense power more than elected officials.
Fair point. Yeah. Stripping the power, I think is, yeah, that's the good uh, way to go. Um, there's one more thing I want to get your, your thoughts on, and this might be sort of out of left field, but I have been thinking about um, the anti-abortion movement and the, the murders and the bombings that have taken place over the past few decades and whether or not that should be called uh, terrorism. Because there are some contemporaries of yours in sort of the uh, legal scholarship field who don't think that the T word is something that people should throw around, especially on the left, even if it's for people we don't like. What do you think of the argument that we should not use the word terrorism to describe even um, political violence? You know, terrorism is a concept invented by states essentially to protect themselves against, um, you know, critique and mobilization. And of course, there are other categories that, you know, get at murder and violence. And I just think the record of counterterrorism, getting the wrong people involving, you know, state excess is so clear that it's hard for me to understand how even opportunistically anyone who thinks of themselves as on the left would traffic in the use of the concept, even if it allows them to get a, some of their own enemies now and again. Right. That's yeah. Uh, I like that there's in, in both cases, there are, are tempting sort of shortcuts to, to fighting the enemies, but we got to, look at things uh, from a broader perspective and, and play the long game. Uh, Alex, do you have any other questions? Uh, yeah, I guess this would just be to round things out, I guess. But uh, at the at the end of your piece, you talk about, um, you make the claim that we have very little to lose by abandoning the judiciary and a lot to gain by just moving past that. What would be the next step in moving past the judiciary? Well, I mean, it's not like, you know, there are, aren't other things that we're doing. I think, you know, the the worry is about like just the airtime the Supreme Court takes up, that judicial appointments take up, that confirmation hearings involve. And, you know, there there is finite energy and time. And you could imagine us just having our fights with our fellow citizens, attempting to convince them, losing, winning. Um, with without the the high stakes battles that we fight so much of the time over control of this institution, the Supreme Court, and I, it, so it's about kind of restoring even you know more balance to our politics, you know, and um, not getting caught up in this diversionary uh, politics around you know, the court and its membership. Um, I, I think that with respect to abortion, just since we're, we're talking about that today, it would involve saying, look, how, how you protect abortion rights is convincing enough of your fellow citizens to back some version that you support of those rights. And there's no alternative. There actually isn't an alternative in general. Um, and I think in this case, it's so vivid now that there was a 50-year try to entrench them via 
judici- the judiciary that failed. And it just reminds us that there's no alternative to engaging our fellow citizens, losing for a time in some places uh, nationally until we have a big enough constituency, but figuring out ultimately how we create a coalition in favor of what we believe. Samuel Moyne, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you and your work? I don't know. I have a website. I'm on Twitter at Samuel Moyne. I don't know. Feel free Somewhere to email on me. the internet. Yeah, the internet. I don't know where to see you find anyone's work. <laughs> He's out there, folks. All sure. right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Great questions. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Wow. The Supreme Court, everyone. We don't need it. We don't need to listen to them. That's a good plug, actually. Hashtag ignore the court. Hashtag ignore the court. I think that would be a good, how do we, uh, what was it, jurisdiction stripping? How do you get that onto a bumper sticker? You need to treat the court like a dog that is biting or using its mouth, and that is to cross your arms, stand up, Turn away. No eye contact with the court. Don't validate what the court is doing. Pretend it's not there. Yeah, I think we will do nothing but benefit of getting rid of our old archaic witch ceremony we've left in the middle of our government where yeah. <laughs> nine uh, creeps get to decide what happens until they die right. to the fate of we're the country. S- we're certainly, we have to airbud it in some respects. We have to look through the playbook and find uh some loop but the stuff we've been doing there is nothing in the playbook that that says literally this it's like you know we were trying to play basketball we but we ended up doing hockey like this isn't even a good like an uh, airbud two or three or whatever right but the game we're playing now was not even what the founders intended they didn't intend a good game you know but this is still just like we've taken it to the extreme to you know suppress democracy and just let you know liberals hide from their shadows Um, has anyone considered letting a dog onto the court and who would vote against that there's nothing in the rule book that says it can't be a dog nothing in the rule book that even says it has to be a judge as far as i'm aware nothing in the constitution addresses dogs entirely woof 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 so while i haven't looked it up i'm pretty confident it's true hashtag ignore the court uh, stick a rider on those bills saying, no, thank you. Uh, hey, Supreme Court, thanks, but no thanks. We don't want to hear your feedback. You can give your feedback. We will not listen to it. We, we will not apply legally to this thing we're going to implement anyway. So F off. Um, that is, I think, should be the strategy judicially. Mm. Um, well, that's it for us today. Yes. I want to thank everybody involved in the show. Give, give it up for the, the venue here today give it up for all the folks you've seen tonight anders lee this is on zoom we're on computer alex he gets he has amnesia um alex patak naomi caravani samuel moyne as well yes and uh i'm going we do our plugs now as always whenever we have a gen x guest i'm going to plug generation x because they don't like plugging themselves but i am going to give them a shout out they're still there. They're still around. They're doing stuff. Generation X, they're shy. They're humble. They're anti-corporate. They are anti-branding. But uh, sometimes I little, need a little nudge from us millennials. So check out Generation X. 
Um, and that's if really you selfless to, of you to do that. Thank you. If you want to check me out, you can look me up on Twitter at Anders Lee here. There's only one on Instagram. I'm still doing the band thing. So if you have a band that needs a name, I will come up with it for you for a few bucks. Um, and uh, also, on a serious note, I got a thread on Twitter. Um, not my thread, Twitter but thread. I, I yes, I'm going to post the Twitter thread that is chock full of abortion funds. So if you have some extra change and you want to give it to, um, you know, letting women or people abort their, uh, trying not to say children, what's the word? Fetuses abort their, you know, pregnancies. There you abort go. Abort something. You got to abort something. Right. We don't, they, they don't necessarily it's not up to have you to what be, they abort. Right. It doesn't even have to be anything to do with birth. Um, could be emissions, could be space flights. But there's no rules. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different states that have abortion funds, and this is like a kind of a nifty guide to all of them. So I'll put that in the show notes. All right, Andrews, that's very generous of you. Um, if you would like to see me doing comedy in the future, you can come to one of the 1,000 paid protest shows we have coming up this month for all the DSA electeds in New York. This is for comedy heads in New York. Uh, there's one I will not be at May 8th. We have a fundraiser. Oh, wait, that's 8th or 18th? <laughs> and there's, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> May 8th, this Sunday, uh, Mother's Day, there's a fundraiser for uh, Sammy, the candidate we're running in Brooklyn, in, in Bushwick, Bushwick, at Tiny Cupboard us. at 8.30. You can find all these on the paid protest Twitter page. Uh, I will not be hosting that one. I'm out of town. I'll be hosting the fundraiser for David Alexis and Kristen Gonzalez in Flatbush at David Alexis campaign headquarters. That's going to be pretty fun. And then, of course, we have the big show. Andrew's going to be there May 20th. We are back at Secret Loft on 14th Street. So all these are on the paid protest Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen, and I'll put all my updates there. And you can maybe see me at some of these. Wouldn't that be fun? And that's going to be it for me. Boom. And check out Naomi Caravani at Naomi Caravani. There you go. Straightforward and, and simple and wonderful. And that's going to be it for us this week. Maybe next week, Jake will be back. Maybe you'll get to check in with him on his tour around America. You'll have to tune in to find out. It's finished. It's finished.